Did you have a good party? You did. It's her 30th birthday party. I wanted to be there. We had some family obligations, but 
I'm glad you have a good time. Do you get a lot of money and gifts and cards? And yeah, good. I will not mention anything else. I'll just move on. It's good to have some of my family here today. Some kids came in from New Mexico for Thanksgiving. I trust you all had a good Thanksgiving. We did at the Brown House. And my two beautiful granddaughters are here, and uh, my grandson's in the back, and uh, I think Stephen's having back issues this morning. Pray for him. But uh, I'm glad when family can come our way. In Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 20, I'll just use one verse as a springboard to get us into our thoughts. We will be in this chapter. Um, and I just, before I start, I want to please encourage the church to get folks out for the cantata. It'll have the gospel in it, and it's a, it's a venue whereby people sometimes don't mind to come to a church for something like that when you can't get them to church in another manner. So it is an opportunity church. I want to talk about opportunities. My message today is opportunities swiftly passing. That's my thought. Opportunities swiftly passing. Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 20. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Years ago, I preached this text. I never forget this. My father was lost for most of his adult life, all, his whole life. And I prayed for my dad to be saved for 17 years. And we went through a lot of discussions and arguments and offenses because of the gospel. And uh, my dad came to hear me preach. When I first got called to preach, he said he would never come hear me preach. But God worked on his heart. And he did, and um, I preached this sermon, not the same sermon, but this text, oh, I would say 20 years ago. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. And you know, you always wonder about your loved ones that come to church. Do they ever really pay attention? Do they get anything? Is God speaking to them? Or you witness to them, and you wonder, are they really listening? Do they really care? I want to tell you, they do listen. And God is working, so don't get discouraged. After my dad did get saved, God humbled him with a massive stroke, and he lived another four and a half years. It took that to get my dad to humble himself and realize his need for Jesus, and he got saved. And my dad did change tremendously in those four and a half years. But after he got saved, it wasn't very long where I had taken him out, I think, for breakfast or something, get him out of the house from being in the wheelchair and just in bed. And he said to me, he said, son, that message you preached that time, the summer has ended and we are not saved. He'd say, I remember that message, the summer has ended and we are not saved. See, God was working on his heart that whole time. <laughs> Folks, you get them here, you get them under the sound of the gospel, whether it be a tent meeting or a revival or a Bible conference or a Sunday school class, you get them and let God work on their heart because the word of God will not return void. And so we must love them enough to get them there, pester them enough to get them there, beg them enough to get them there, and uh, God will do his work. His word is powerful. And today I want to talk about this thought, opportunities swiftly passing. And I'll read it one more time. The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text written so long ago to your people, Israel. 
Lord, we pray that we'd apply it to our hearts and life this morning. If there be one soul here today, Lord, that knows you not as their Savior, I pray that you'd bring Holy Spirit conviction, Holy Ghost conviction upon them, and may they see their need for Jesus this morning. And help us, Lord, as your children, to be willing to step out of our comfort zone and ask family, friends, neighbors, acquaintances, co-workers to come to church so, Lord, they may hear the word of God. Bless us, Lord, be with all the other services going on right now as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The scripture before us this morning is a message from God to Judah. Uh, the people of Judah had been greatly blessed of Jehovah God. The Lord loved them, claimed them, blessed them as his people. And uh, these same people so blessed, so helped of God, in time they become backslidden. And they become ungodly in the way they were living. You know, God calls and calls and calls again to bring people to repentance. Without repentance, there's no remission of sin. So there's a gospel being preached today that is just believe. But the Bible teaches repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he sends his prophet Jeremiah to give them the message, and they, they listen, but they don't listen. The prophet Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because God had called him to a people that would not he hear the word of God. They would not heed the word of God. And the prophet would weep because God's people would not hear him nor heed the message of God through him. He became very discouraged that time, but that was his ministry. But the text before us today, Jeremiah 8 and verse 20 God gives a last warning to Judah. Here God's giving them the last chance, if you would, to hear the word and to heed the word. And I don't know, I never know as I prepare a message and I mount the pulpit and preach to a group of people, I never know that there might be a few people within the crowd that are getting their last chance or their last warning to heed God. Now, I'll deal with just two main thoughts today. The last warning of someone that may be here today unsaved, and you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to repent, turn from your sin, and turn toward God and start living for God. And then this could be a message to a Christian who's saved, but not where they ought to be. And God gives warning after warning, and season after season, and long-suffering after long-suffering. Mercy upon mercy... And many, like Judah, will not hear and receive the message. The Bible is full of occasions where God worked with his people, extended mercy before judgment came. What a great God. Time and time again, when God reached out and reached out and warned and warned his people here, Judah, he finally has to send judgment because of their rebellion, because, because of their rejection of God. And listen, if you go to church occasionally and you feel like every time you come, the preacher's preaching at you, it might be true. Because, see, God prepares the heart of the preacher to give the message for he knows who will be in that audience and who will not be in that audience. You could say today, <coughs> well, I'm, if so-and-so was here, they would have used that message. They could have used that message. Oh, you're here, and I'm here. And the message for us this morning. 
On this Lord's Day, I want to consider with me the scene here in Scripture, and it reminds me of how someone may have passed opportunities to receive God's grace and mercy in their entire, in their lives. Amen? I begin my thought this morning here, of course, with Judah. Judah was the son of Jacob, the fourth son of Leah and Jacob. He, um, he was from the tribe. He, he established, he was the founder of the tribe of Judah. His name in the Hebrew, Yehuda, which means I will give thanks. He had 11 brothers, one sister, Dinah, and God had given him much grace, much mercy in his life. And so I want to mention this morning about Judah, and we see here in, in chapter 8, in his backslidden condition. Now, I, I don't know everybody here, obviously, today, but God knows whether you're right with God or not. God knows whether you're backslidden or not. And I would ask you to apply the message to your heart. I pray the Holy Ghost will speak to all hearts today. But Judah, we see here in chapter 8, is in his backslidden condition. Look at Jeremiah chapter 8, back up to verse 4, and read along with me. Jeremiah 8 and verse 4, Moreover, thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord. Now, I want you to understand something. When a preacher gets in a pulpit, and he's declaring God's word, God is speaking through the, the instrument, the, the, the individual, the preacher. Always understand that. It is not the man who's speaking, but God speaking through the man. And here the prophet is being used of God to speak to his people, and he uses the term, thus saith the Lord. Shall they fall and not rise? Shall he turn away and not return? Follow me, verse 5. When, uh, why then... Is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by perpetual backsliding? We hear the word backsliding. You know, it's only mentioned a few times in the Bible, I think three times, and it's always Israel. But we can make an application today that backsliding is a condition that Christian people can adapt. Being further away from God than they once were. Not being close up to God, not hearing his voice, not being sensitive to his call in their life. He says, why then is this people of Jerusalem back, uh, uh, slidden back by perpetual backslide? That's a good question. They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. Verse 6, I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. No man repenteth, repented him of his wickedness, saying, what have I done? Everyone turneth to his course as a horse rusheth into the battle. In other words, they hear the message, they just go back to their same way of living. How often do people come to church and hear a message, they hear the message, and for a while God is speaking, then they go out the doors and they return back to the same pattern of living. They go back to the same sins, the same coldness, maybe the same attitude that is not right with God. And it happens so often. It's just like Judah of the Old Testament. And we started with the words, the harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not safe. We just got done with the harvest season. And we'll go into our Christmas mode here in a little bit. And Christmas messages, Christmas cantata, Christmas songs. That's fine, good. It's a great opportunity. But I'm dealing with today opportunities swiftly passing. The harvest is past, and here's what my dad used to say. He used to say, 
and we are not saved. And again, my dad would bring that up often because, see, God was, work, God was working on his heart when I didn't know he was working on his heart. And God may be working on someone's heart today if you will hear. And here's the important thing. If you will heed. Because God is not going to constantly say, okay, here we go again. Here we go again. Let me be merciful one more time. There is a time with God. We're not God. I'm not God. Where God draws a line. A line of demarcation. He says, I'm done. That's what's going on here in Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 20. He's saying, I'm done. Judah is in a backslidden condition. At one time in the history of Judah, the descendants of Judah lived close to God. They worshiped. They served God. They obeyed his commandments. But little by little, they became more sinful and further and further away from God. And Jeremiah comes and preaches, and nobody wants to hear Jeremiah. You know, you don't want to go hear Jeremiah. Jeremiah's just going to preach about sin. And Jeremiah's going to preach about being backslidden. Jeremiah's going to remind us of our failures. Let's go hear someone other than Jeremiah. But God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you preach my message. The preaching that I bid thee. Although they once, Judah, knew their God, at one time was close to their God, at one time loved God, and walked in his ways. They have now become distant and disobedient children, and they don't even realize it. How many times have I talked to people far, far away from God, and they say, Pastor, we love God. We know God, and I know their life. I know their lifestyle. I know their ways, and I'm thinking, they don't see it. They don't see it. That's exactly where Judah is in our text. They had disregarded the law of God. Look at chapter 8, verse 8. How do we say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? Lo, certainly in vain made he it. And the pen of the scribe is in vain. The wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken. Lo, they have rejected the word of the Lord. And what wisdom is in them? In other words, God had given them a law to live by. God had given them a law to govern their lives so they would not get deep in sin. They would not, they would not ruin their marriages and their homes and their children. He gave them a law. The law was good. The law was from the gracious hand of God. And at first they received the law of God, but now they have gotten further away from God. They've disobeyed the law in many ways. And in the chapter, we won't take time to, to take it all apart, but you read chapter 8 and you will see they failed God in many ways, ways before they did not fail God. One of the ways, the failure of bringing their tithes and offerings to the house of God. God didn't say, send it in. God didn't say, swipe a credit card, not back then. They were to bring their offerings to the house of God. Why? It was a form of worship. It was a form of obedience and worship. Now we're all about convenience. Let's just do it. It's all about convenience. You know, serving and living for God has never been convenient. Why do we feel like that's the way it ought to be today? I mean, don't you think God's been a little inconvenienced by sending his son? Don't you think Jesus was a little inconvenienced by being beaten and rejected and placed on a cross and shedding his blood? 
naked before the whole. That, that was a little bit of ink. So why do we always talk about convenience? About, you know, comfortable Christianity. And here's where they got. At one time, they were so close to God. They loved God. They served God. Nothing was, nothing was a burden to them that God asked of them. But they got to the place where they began to disobey God. To the place where they left off offering at all. They didn't bring any turtle doves. They didn't bring any lambs. They didn't bring any sacrifices. You know, the, the Jews had many offerings for many different holy days and sacrifices and the wave offering and the sin offering. And they had all the, the grain. They had the, the, the harvest offerings. There were so many offerings. And, and they, they probably said, oh, this is ridiculous. Every time we go, we got to bring an offering. They got to the place where they're bringing no offerings. Run it to today. There's a lot of God's people that used to give their time and give their talent, and gave their tithe, and now they don't do any of that. They just come to church. They're just like Judah. The unfortunate result in that is the house of God laid waste. In no time, the priests couldn't do their, their obligation. They couldn't do their calling. They couldn't take care of their responsibilities because the people did not give as they should have given unto God. That was God's system, God's way. The priests, you know what they did? They went out and looked for a second job. The priests, in the scripture, they went to the fields to get part-time work so they could take care of their families. That was not God's will. That was not God's way. But the people reneged on their responsibility. So what could the priests do? They had to feed their children. How many preachers are standing at Walmarts greeting people, working part-time jobs so they could just take care of their family when God's people will not take responsibility? Now, I don't have that problem here. Parkview is a good giving church. You take care of your pastor well. But it hurts me every time I hear of a preacher that has to work two and three jobs. And they do that for an entire ministry when God's people are like Judah. They want the blessing of God and the goodness of God, but they don't want to take their responsibility. And some of you say, oh, I knew he was going to bring in. I haven't preached on money. I can't even remember the last time I preached. I don't I really have to. This church is a good giving church. But listen, it's part of the message. This was what was wrong with Judah. They didn't bring their offerings. They didn't bring their sacrifices. They didn't worship God. Today, people think worshiping God is a bunch of contemporary songs and, and with a beat. And just that is not all that there is to worship. In the Old Testament, they would bring their offerings. They prepared that offering. They, they, they painstakingly prepared those sacrificial animals to come that they might be right to offer up to God, for he is a holy God. He said, hey, you take your second best, your third best, give it to the governor and see what he thinks about it. Remember? Book of Malachi. Their lackness of keeping the law. So the result was the house of God lay his waste. They refused to honor with their offerings. Then they were living. After that, they not only disregarded the law of God, but they began to live in open sin and rebellion to God. Look at verse 12. You might be thinking you're re reading today's headlines. But no, it's back here, Jeremiah chapter 8. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? 
Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore shall they fall among them that fall in the time of their visitation. They shall be cast down, saith the Lord. They couldn't even blush anymore. We live in a day today where I don't even know. Is there such a thing? Are people ashamed of anything anymore? I mean, people are just out there doing their thing. They don't care about God or family or parents or grandparents or the preacher. No one cares anymore. It's just, you know, we're going to do our thing. I said, man, I didn't know I was going to hear this on Sunday morning. Now, again, I said something to somebody the other day. I said, man, every time I come, well, then come more often because I do preach some nice messages. I, I, I ask God to give me balance in my ministry and you just happen to come at the wrong times. But maybe it's the right time because God's trying to still get a hold of some of you backsliders. I mean, uh, Christians. But here's what Judah was. He was living in open sin. Open rebellion to God. Those that had once lived in the sunshine of God's love and blessing are now sitting in darkness and depravity, living and acting like the heathen act. They first gave off worshiping God. Then they gave off giving offerings to God. Then they didn't do anything for God. And then they just blatantly lived as they wanted to live and gave God a little every once in a while. I'll show up for a feast day. You think that's today. That's back then. They came for the feast. So they were Jewish and that was tradition and they went. Some of you are sitting right now, well, I don't give like I used to give, but when I make it, one of these days when I really get that next contract, when I, when I get that next raise, I'm going to really, I'm going to do something for missions, pastor, like you've never seen done before. I remember my preacher used to say, it's not the thousand dollars you'd like to give, it's the dollar bill in your pocket that you won't let go of. Amen. God's looking for faithfulness, consistency. God's looking for us to worship him. They went to the house of God, and now they're in darkness. They used to be happy. They used to be looking forward to coming to the house of God. Look at the Psalms. The Psalms of degree. The Psalms of degree were written about the people going to the house of God, and as they went to the house of God, they didn't have cars and trucks, and they didn't have RVs. They didn't have SUVs. They, they traveled. On, they walked to church in unity. And they came to the house of God. And by the time they got there, after they singing the songs of degree, they were in spirit to worship and they were ready to praise the Lord. Oftentimes we don't come to the house of God ready to worship God. We come to, come to get out, come to get it over with, the obligation time, and then go and do what we want to do. Please don't take this wrong. I was raised in Roman Catholicism. And I don't, have, I, I don't care for any of that, the ritual of it. But I do remember as a boy the respect that was given to the place of worship. And we're independent Baptists. We don't believe in it. I get it. But whatever happened to the awe of God? What's ever happened to preparing our hearts to meet with God? It doesn't work just to have all this stuff and then come out. But here we are. And then we're going to worship and then go back. That doesn't work that way. We come to the house of God looking for God to speak to hearts. I hope. Amen. We've been praying for the services. We've been praying for the pastor. We've been praying for people to come to hear the gospel and so forth. 
But they chose not to honor God, and they became more and more like the godless. They become so lax concerning their faith in the law. And here's the result. Not only was the house of God not being taken care of and the priests were not being taken care of, but here's the most important thing. The Lord was grieved with their sin. Look at chapter 8. Look at verse 13. Verse 13, he says, I will surely consume them, saith the Lord. They shall not be no grapes on the vine, nor fig on the fig tree, and the leaf shall fade, and the things that I have given them shall pass away from them. Why do we sit still? Assemble yourself and let enter into the uh, de um, defense cities, and let us be silent there, for the Lord our God hath put us to silence and given us water of gall to drink because we have sinned against the Lord. The most important thing here, Jeremiah is trying to tell them what God is saying to Jeremiah for them to hear. And he's saying to them, Judah, you're grieving me. I know some of you as parents would understand this. There are times in raising your children that they do things they don't understand they're doing, and it grieves your heart. Perhaps a grandchild going the wrong way. It grieves you to your core. If we can understand that, we can understand a little bit how God feels. When Judah walked away, when Judah was backslidden, when Judah forgot about God, and today how God feels when his people, the church, are not where they ought to be. The Lord was grieved. I want to say this. God is always grieved, and he always will be grieved when we're not close to him. <clears throat> we get a call every once in a while, and we get a call saying, hey, we're going to come home for this holiday or that holiday. And What a joy that is to know we have family to come and see us. <clears throat> What a joy it is to see your grandbabies come. What a joy it is to have just fellowship and laughter in the house. You know, we raised five children, and our house was full of noise and activity and silliness and, you know, screaming and gnashing of teeth when, <laughs> when, when discipline was issued. Amen? Guts and gallbladder time. But, you know, they all grow up and they go on their way, which they should. Amen, Paul. They should. But then there's a, the eerie quietness. I, I remember when Joy Beth got married, uh, she left. She was the last of the Mohegans, and she left, and she went to Virginia. Uh, to live with our new son-in-law, and we just looked at each other, and the house was so quiet, just me, her, and our dog. And now we don't even have our old dog. She's, <laughs> she's gone to the place of dogs. But we looked at each other, and we said, boy, this is different. And here's what we said to each other. We said, honey, I said, let's serve God more. Let's throw ourselves into ministry more. Let's have more people over. Let's, let's Let's get into discipleship more, and let's go after souls more, and, and let's just love on other people's kids that are in the church and be like grandparenty type people to them. Listen, it grieves sometimes when you're missing your loved one. Try to think how God feels 
when we don't talk to him, we don't worship him, we run our lives without his counsel or wisdom, we go about our daily lives and we come to church and we don't even have time to worship him there. We're in, we're out, we're, we're not giving of ourselves, we're not teaching, we're not taking a class, we're not, we're not invested. And how do we think God feels? He's grieved. Oh, how God must hurt when he sees his children wandering away. And then those that go into wickedness. Oh, how grieved God is. But here Jeremiah was not only called of God to speak to them. Jeremiah was sent to call them to repentance. Go to chapter 7. Back up. Stay with me now. Chapter 7, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying... Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah, that enter into these gates to worship. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and, and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Here's what Jeremiah is doing. He's called of God to call the nation Back to God in true repentance. He's called to warn the people of God as they were coming in the house of God. Like we have a foyer back there. So the preacher didn't start his message in the pulpit. He started it in the foyer when they were coming in. And he would say, amend your ways as they came in. Oh, they definitely did not have a progressive church in that day. I mean, he's preaching to us before we even get in the building, they say. That old codger, Jeremiah. Here we see Jeremiah standing in the gate and pronouncing these words. What were the words? Hear the word of the Lord, all you Judea. Hear the word of the Lord, Judah. God always offers grace and a chance of repentance before judgment comes. That is a good God. That is a good God. God doesn't just judge. A lot of times we think, why did God allow this in my life? Why do you say such a thing? God, here's, here's a thing that has bugged me through the years, and I try not to do it. I hope I don't do it in my older age, in my getting older problems. God has been so good for us for so long, and we come to a little bump in the road, and we're falling apart. We're blaming God. God doesn't love me anymore. God doesn't hear my prayers. Why did God do this? Sometimes it's our own sin. You know, I had that little heart attack. And I, had, I had my stint. I was talking to the family the other day. I said, you know, I feel like kind of bad because I've had my stint. And it's almost like you have to have three or four before anybody thinks it's anything. It's like, <laughs> oh, you just, had, you just had one? You had a stint? Yeah, I had a stint, and I'm proud of that stint. Now I get a little bit more love than I'm getting. Nobody feels sorry for me. If I would have had four heart attacks and four stints and four bypasses, like Brother Allen, then maybe somebody would feel bad for me. But no, I just have one stint. Just trying to get a little love, church. But you know, I could just fall apart and say, oh, poor me. When God has been so good to me, 
for so long and so many years and and my cardiologist made sure to tell me you have to lose weight this is part of your fault so you know oftentimes we have trouble because we have caused why is my marriage a wreck I don't know tell me why is it is it God's fault maybe there's some men that didn't love their wives like the Bible says Maybe there's some parents that didn't love their children like God told them to love their children. Amen. So a lot of the things that come into our life, we automatically fall apart. Why, God? Why did this happen? Why does my mom... My mom is 95 years old and she's having health problems. Come on. None of us are going to be here forever. We wear out. We, we become... We become... Uh, part of, uh, of what God planned, the body not to survive. There's a better place. There's another place. But we, we talk like this. We act like this. Poor me. I, I had this happen and I had that happen. You got to look at it the other way. Think about all the good health and the good days and the great opportunities and the blessings of jobs and, 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 and provision and God's bounty and more bounty. And then we come to something and we want to question God. Oh, Judah, they're in a mess because of their own doing. And then here's God. God doesn't just zap people. He gives warnings. He gives grace. He gives more grace. He gives, he is such a long suffering God. He gives chances. In Ezra chapter 9 and verse 8, it says, A space of grace. For the most of my life, I've lived in the space of grace. And so have you. Why don't we see that? Oh, my stint. God gives to us chances to hear him and more chances to hear him. And in the context, chances to repent, chances to return to God. But here's what Judah did. They passed. They said, I'll pass on that. I don't think I want it. I don't want it now. I'll wait till I'm really old and really decrepit, and then I will give my life to God. But God has chosen Israel as his own. Why? Why did God choose Israel? Israel? There's no really any answer to that. He chose them because he chose them. Israel was not a great nation. I mean, Israel was just a little bitty nothing nation. And God chose them, and God blessed them, and God used them, and he still is using them. Amen. And God had constantly given them overtures of his mercy and his grace and performed many miracles but they forgot all God's mercies and goodness. And now in our text, they're far away. But here's the opportunity. Their opportunity is, re is to respond to him now through the preaching of Jeremiah. Often God deals with disobedience with more grace and more grace. When God should say, okay, I'm done. But he doesn't. Now, there comes to a place, as I said, that God will say, okay, I'm done. But that's not the nature of our God. The nature of our God is to constantly keep working. It's like the story of Gomer in the Bible, 
who refused her husband, Hosea, and she kept going out being unfaithful. But what did he do? He kept going out after her. He loved her. She thought all the gifts and things that were given her were given to her of her lovers, but it was God all along. Amen. Picture and type of Israel and God's goodness to them. Like Israel, they chose Egypt. When God rescued them out of the land of Egypt, they stood around and said, oh, wish we could be back in Egypt where all the leeks and melons were in a great life. They forgot about their beatings and the taskmasters and the bondage. That's just like me. That's just like you sometimes. And like the Jews, refusing of Jesus when he presented himself to be their Messiah. And what did they say? Give us Barabbas. That is the nature of man. When God extends grace, more grace, grace on top of grace, mankind somehow will say, no, thank you. I'll wait. And they still refused. And here was the question, though. The most important question, Jeremiah 8, 20, the harvest has passed, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. I don't know that there might be somebody here today, a child, a teenager, an adult, a visitor. I have no idea. God has extended grace. God has extended blessing. God has extended warning. And God has extended his loving hand. And people still say, no, I think I won't. I think I'll pass on that. Another day, another time. Do you ever consider, as I said, starting this message, this message was from Jeremiah, God through Jeremiah to Judah to get them to repent and return to him. It was their last chance. It was their last rebuke. It was their last pleading. Today, as we get ready to leave the house of God today, this might be your last chance to be saved. This might be your last chance to repent and return to your God. This might be the last time God calls you into his work and you tell him no. And God will say, fine. All right, I won't use you. And you will face that at the judgment seat of Christ. This might be, perhaps, the last opportunity that God affords us. Maybe this is the last opportunity to come to an old-fashioned altar, humble yourself, and say, God, show me my sin. I hope no one goes home today saying, well... God spoke to me again, but he'll, he'll speak to me again another time. I know he will. No, you don't know that. Years ago, there was an old preacher down south. A lot of people knew who he was, Sammy Allen. And he had meetings. And he was in a meeting one time preaching an old meeting. And there was a man that came early in the week. And somebody had invited him. And he came to church. And the gospel was preached. And he, he stood in the back just shaking in conviction, just totally moved with conviction, and people that loved him and knew him went to him and said, why don't you come and be saved? Why don't you? No, no, I won't. No, I won't today. I won't. And he didn't. And then he didn't come back for a few nights. He came back another night, and still the preaching was done, and the altar was full of people getting right and getting saved. And 
He stood there back and wanted to, but he didn't. And then what happened to this old preacher, this old man? As uh, after years passed, five years, 10 years, 15 years passed, every year that man would come to the tent meeting, come underneath the folds of the tent, stand in the back, waiting for that same feeling that he had previously, where he was under conviction and God was trying to get him to move. And he wouldn't. And he came back all those years and never felt the same feeling. Never felt the call of God. I'll tell you what, that's a dangerous place to be in. And that's not only for salvation, but that's for serving the Lord. How many have I met over the years as a preacher that regretted they didn't do what God had called them to do? This could be your last opportunity. I'll say this and I'll, I'll be done. The door of opportunity can and will close for some. Look at verse 16, Jeremiah 8, 16. Stay with me here. The storing of his horses was heard from Dan. The whole land trembled at the sound of the neighing of his strong ones. For they are come and had devoured the land and all that is in it, the city, and those that dwell therein. See, God had warned them about judgment to come. God had warned them about judgment to come. And you know what happened? It came. Other armies came. The judgment of God, often in the Bible, God used other nations to discipline his people because they would not respond to his calls, to his overtures of grace, to his extended mercies, and then God had to bring judgment. This is God's words through his prophet Jeremiah. But then God had to bump it up a little bit, let's say. God finally came to the point where he said to Jeremiah to tell Judah three occasions after chapter 8, verse 20. He told Jeremiah, I will not hear them. I will not save them. And that's how Jeremiah became the weeping prophet, not only because of people's rejection, but then he heard God say, I'm done with them. I'm done with them. And Jeremiah told, God told Jeremiah, don't pray for them. Don't cry over them. Don't ask them to be saved anymore. I'm through with them. I will not hear you. And God shut the door. You know, there are times where God shuts the door to his call. Like he did in the garden at Eden. They were there to be with God in full fellowship, and God sent them out of the garden. And he posted a sentry that they could not come back. Like he did at the flood when God gathered all Noah's family into the ark, and then God, didn't say Noah, God shut the door. Opportunity had come and gone. Like God did at Sodom and Gomorrah when he said, I'm done with these people. And God set fire and hail, but he kept a remnant, Lot. Lousy Lot. You know, oftentimes we view ourselves as great Christians when we're not. Listen, I'm nothing but a Lot that God has been good to, and good to, and good to. Amen. The summer was now past, and the harvest season was settling. Their days are numbered, 
His love for them had turned to hate. They had rejected him, and now he rejects them. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 28 of this day, of this day we live in. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. The word reprobate means not able to choose, not able to distinguish. God will let people in their sin and warn them and love them and warn them and send them the truth, and then God says, okay, I'm, notice God didn't make them reprobate. He turned them over to a reprobate mind. Go ahead and have your way. In our world today, God is simply saying to many parts of our world, go ahead and have your way. I'll back out, and you have your way. But it's sad when God does that to an individual. The harvest has passed, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. Again, I remember my dad thinking all those years that I preached, and he listened that he wasn't listening. All those years that our little babies wrote Grandpa notes, Grandpa, please get saved. Grandpa, we love you. We want you to go to heaven with us. Please, Grandpa. And we thought he never listened. And then I preached right out of this text, Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 20. The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. And then Dad got saved, and he's the one that told me about the man. He said, I remember when you preached that message. Why? Because it was constantly on his heart. Every time he pillowed his head at night, he thought about God, and he finally got saved. And then going through his Bible, at, when he died, and we were getting ready to get everything ready for the funeral home and put out pictures of his life, and, and he had the Bible that we had given him. As we opened up the Bible, all those little notes and letters from his grandbabies were in there. He didn't throw them aside. He didn't say, oh, I don't want this stuff. He kept every one, and I opened them up, and there's Joy Beth, and there's Joseph, and there's Daniel, and there's Steve. Grandpa, please get saved. He kept every one of those. And I am so glad that Dad got born again. He didn't say, nope, I won't. I remember the day he got saved. He waved me over. I said, what is it, Dad? Can I help you? See, he was in a wheelchair. He couldn't help himself. And I thought he needed me to take him out to use the restroom. And he said, no, I don't want to go to hell. I want to get saved. Amen. Now, here's the truth. I preach to you today what Jeremiah preached to Judah. And the message was a message of repentance. It was a message of returning to God. Now, there are two types of people in here today. People that know the Lord and some that don't. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Are you saved? Do you know it? Don't play around with your soul. This could be your last opportunity. Opportunity swiftly passing, that's the message. And then I say to the saints today, opportunity to serve your Lord is today, this morning. Isaiah 49 and verse 8, God upped the game when he said this, Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in the day of salvation have I helped thee. He wants everyone listening 
as Jeremiah spoke to Judah and they didn't listen, God wants us to listen this morning. This is the opportunity. Come and be saved. Come and surrender your will to his. Come and do God's bidding. And I'm not trying to, I'm not a prophet. I know you can turn on your radio dial and get prophets today. I'm not a prophet. I'm just a preacher. Today's the day to get right. Today's the day to say, God, forgive me. I want to get closer to you. Today's the day to start truly worshiping your God, not just with a few songs, a quick service, but actually getting back to devotional life and prayer, Bible study, trying to help somebody else know the Savior. Amen. Today's the day. Okay. Opportunity swiftly passing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this chance to preach.